Hello, everyone. This is Terry Wolf. I am the author of the book, Maybe Everyone is Wrong. And today we're going to be exploring a topic that is very closely related to and actually overlaps with what I talked about in my book, Maybe Everyone is Wrong, because it's going to deal with the Millennial Kingdom and the time period leading up to the Battle of Gog and Magog. I talk about it in the book, but I don't go in depth into it. I just sort of throw out some considerations there. This whole episode is going to be actually devoted to that topic. So I hope you look forward to it. I'm not going to do the update on the videos and, and the morning study sessions that are on YouTube, although I will tell you, please go check out the YouTube channel if you haven't yet and get caught up on this wonderful study we're doing of 1 Corinthians. But this chapter, this this episode, I should say, is just going to be about the Millennial Kingdom, trying to walk through it realistically and see why it is that when Satan comes back after the thousand years, people fall for it and they don't, they don't adhere to godliness and the teachings of Christ that have presumably been going on for a thousand years at that point. I received an interesting question from a Discord member, which, by the way, you should join the Discord so that you can ask questions and we can talk about stuff, uh, named Avanov. And he put a question this way. I have a question about the tail end of the Millennial Kingdom at the eve of the Battle of Gog and Magog. Will we really see a repeat of what happened in the Garden of Eden? Will nations be blessed by the presence of... Sorry, will, will nations blessed by the presence of glorified saints feel the need to betray? Why would they do it? So when you read in Revelation chapter 20, starting at verse 7, it talks about after the thousand-year reign of Christ, and it says, Now when the thousand years are finished, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to bring them together for battle, or for the battle. They are as numerous as the grains of sand in the sea. They went up on the broad plain of the earth and encircled the camp of the, sea, the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them completely. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the, where the beast and the false prophet are too, and they will be tormented there day and night forever and ever. So if we take a look at what this says, we know that it also says, you know, just in a couple of verses earlier, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were finished. So at the same time that Satan is released from his prison, that's the same time that the millennial kingdom ends, or the, the thousand years that we are guaranteed to, to be reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And so there's a lot of things happening at the same time. The resurrect, these people won't have a, an entire lifetime with Christ and the disciples. 
um, with, with us, with the resurrected saints, with those of us who are on earth, uh, you know, in our newly resurrected bodies, in our, in our eternal bodies. These people wake up with Satan. So they had, and they are also people who had a previous life. So there's a lot of unintuitive things happening here. Those who are alive on earth at that time might be, uh, well, we're going to have to talk about that separately, but let's just first acknowledge that, that everybody who was ever alive, apparently, when it says the rest of the dead, they're all going to come back to life and... If you want to talk about majority rules, you know, sort of the the influence of a giant billions and billions of people, uh, that those billions of people are going to come back to life. They might even remember their first life. That would be interesting. I don't know what happens with people who were who died young, or you know, when they were just an infant, or uh, you know what the what condition their bodies are going to be in there's so many questions about what that resurrection will actually look like but they're not going to get the immortal you know blessed bodies that we are going to have so right off the bat you have envy these people did not live a godly enough life to be part of the resurrection the first resurrection, that is, the one that we would be part of, they would be jealous that there's this one area, Zion, where there are these ruling, you know, from their point of view, godlike beings um, who get to live there and and never age and never die, never get sick, never need to be hungry, they are judging the nations, they are... I mean, imagine if you, you know, you heard about today that there was a group of people in some distant land who were immortal and judging the whole world, and that you could never be a part of them. Um, You were just stuck being yourself and... You would get old, you would get sick, um, you know, you'd get hungry, thirsty. If you're lucky, they would help you. Um, And then you're going to watch your loved ones die, and and they're going to sit by and enjoy themselves and enjoy their blessings and their Christ that lives with them. So it's, there's, this is the key thing that I want to mention. Just because there will be Jesus living on earth and for the thousand years when Satan is not there, we know that a lot of amazing things are going to happen. People are going to turn their swords into plowshares, meaning they're going to, you know, recycle the weapons and and turn them into something useful. Um, There's going to be peace. There might be an enforced peace because Jesus you know, we'll be enforcing uh, peace on earth and, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things we think 
people are rational enough that they would appreciate and be like, we're blessed by these people. They're helping the world to recover from these huge cataclysms that happened. Remember, in prophecy leading up to that point, um, this is another thing people struggle with, is you have our current day, as we think of it as being normal, although there's nothing normal about any period in history, it's all... It's all very crazy if you think about it. Uh, we live in a very crazy time, geoengineering and and the satanic deception of all the people and nobody recognizing God for who he is and, and just the, the evil of our time. But anyway, um, after this, we're going to have this tribulation and these cataclysms, you know, a third of the world being killed by, by poisoning... A, the water systems in across Europe and Eurasia, and um, the meteors falling down and turning the oceans to blood, and the green grass being burnt up everywhere across this whole third of the planet, and there's all these things that are scheduled to happen. So it's not like that all just magically reverses when the Millennial Kingdom starts. So this is a huge thought exercise of imagination. You have to picture a beautiful spiritual event of the millennial kingdom being set up, Satan being thrown into the bottomless pit, the beast and the false prophet, which if my interpretation is correct means Rome and the whole Roman system being finally discarded and and destroyed, all the demons related to that. And yes, there is this new starting point, this revival that can start to happen from Zion, where where Jesus is ruling with the 144,000 and with the resurrected saints. But then the world is still completely devastated. And people will not be particularly happy. I mean, human nature isn't going to change. That's kind of the bottom line that is almost the hardest to appreciate. Because we can kind of imagine, because we've seen science fiction movies or disaster movies or something, we can kind of imagine a, a Mad Max-like world of, you know, or, or these different movies that pick, paint a picture of everything is desolate and people are sort of surviving on their own and things are very harsh but even even then if you had Jerusalem being this headquarters of renewal and blessings and you know fresh water and uh, abundance and good things and people will travel there there will be a bunch of people who go and and hear the word of the lord from there and these prophecies have to come true satan will be gone they won't be de- actively deceived by satan But even with a thousand years, these people are going to live, they're going to have kids, they're going to get old, they're going to die, they're going to forget how anyone got to that point. Uh, They're not going to remember what things are like today, that's for sure. Uh, You know, there's not going to be an appreciation of the before and after. Once you get one generation deep into a new paradigm, 
they don't remember, they're not going to recover memories of their great-grandfather or whatever. So the population of Earth will be decimated. Those who survive will have their own story of how that happened and why that happened. And it w- I guess it would be on us to teach them uh, you know, better ways and to reform the Earth. But there's so many things that could happen in that time. Um, just natural ignorance, natural falsehood. Not satanic, but human nature is still going to be you know, evil in the heart. Um, It's not just... Just because Satan isn't ruling the world, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to have a wholesome, honest heart. The Millennial Kingdom is not about the whole world becoming full of the Holy Spirit. It's about Satan's conspiracy falling apart and being suppressed and then our own rule can begin. So those who are alive a thousand years later, that is several generations later, you know, let's imagine it's five generations later, four or five generations later. So they're, they're going to now, whatever age they are, let's say they're 30, 40 years old, um, uh, their great-great-great-grandfather knew something about this, you know, previous time before there were these ruling godlike beings on earth who, you know, could choose to bless you or curse you. They could choose to teach you or they could, you know, come and help your country or they could not help your country. And I imagine that the world would be quite... Um, divided on what to make of the saints and of Jesus because maybe there'll be technology like there was today. Maybe all of that is destroyed during the cataclysms and doesn't really recover. Maybe a bunch of information is lost. But if there is surviving information, there are surviving archives. The work of Satan leading up to that point the the culture that is created before the millennial kingdom will get fused into the narrative because remember we look at it from the bible's point of view and we say we're the good guys satan is the the one having this conspiracy we are this little minority group trying to tell everyone the truth, but they hate us for it. They have the dominant culture. Satan has the dominant culture. So just because the, his system falls apart, the culture doesn't just disappear. In fact, we know that the whole world celebrates when the two witnesses are killed by the beast. So the whole world hates the idea of Jesus coming back and having this revival. We know that the armies of the world, at least these 10 nations, come against Jesus and Jerusalem. And just because he comes and defeats them, you know, he comes out of the heaven and defeats Satan and his armies and and crushes the world's elite. 
does that mean that everyone celebrates? We might celebrate, you know, because we're Christians, but the people in the world might be terrified and assume that Jesus is going to reign with holy vengeance and get, you know, get even after the thousand thousands of years of persecuting Christians and killing the church and all of these things. So it's a it's a fascinating huge thought exercise to think about what would it realistically be like from an average ignorant person's point of view who was starting at that time at the beginning of the millennial kingdom if they survive all the cataclysms they survive long enough to see Jesus start to reign on earth they might be terrified they might be uh confused they might assume you know if they're an atheist or something they might assume the christians will just come and kill them they might already be trying to plot some sort of rebellion or survival situation they might be creating their own hopes and fears related to that and then just because Satan's not there actively ruling, you now, those people have kids. Um, a lot of them, you know, might come in and learn from Zion. They might learn from us and learn to be peaceful. And there might be this transformation taking place, maybe even physically, to heal the land from the asteroid the the meteor impacts and the the oceans turning to blood and and all these horrible things that happened this devastation that will have to be there for unless you know serious miracles just reverse it the, any sort of natural process or even semi-natural process would take decades to heal uh, the aftermath of those cataclysms so there's this rebuilding process, confusion. I imagine by the time the thousand years is over, there will be uh, a, a sort of ignorance and innocence because Satan won't be doing the conspiracy, but at the same time, people will have taken for granted how the world works in that millennial kingdom. Um, people won't have some sort of magical long memory of what happened before. They won't be prepared for the return of Satan. Even if we tell them what it would be like, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to... Uh, they're going to see it as a betrayal of these you know, people who blessed them so much. From their point of view... Maybe they're, like any person, they feel entitled. They think they should be part of that. Why can't I just go and live in Zion? Why, why do I have to live in North America or, or South America or Australia or something? And then I'm, you know, I can't even make this long journey out to Zion if I wanted to or whatever. People will still have their own gripes, their own entitlement. Um, you know, you can look at, this is another thing to consider. You can look at Israel themselves when they were under the law. They had God doing miracles for them, delivering them out of Egypt, you know, 
with mighty miracles. And what happened on Mount Sinai, when Moses was getting the law and God's presence was on the mountain, still those people created idols and forced Aaron, the the high priest, to make them an idol so that by the time Moses came down, they were already worshiping something else. That, that is human nature. It's, it's to be so oblivious and to be so ungrateful and so unaware of how we should properly honor God because those people did not have the Holy Spirit. They had Moses. Moses had the Spirit. They had the law. But without the Holy Spirit in themselves, they quickly turn aside. And we don't have any report that Satan was the one responsible for making them do that. Satan was the one orchestrating all these events, this disobedience in Israel. God says that it was the stubbornness of their heart, the hardness of their heart, and their, their stubbornness led to all of this disobedience. So if you look at that as an analogy, we would think that anyone who saw miracles in their lifetime from God, they would immediately, especially if they were like aimed at helping you, they did, they delivered you from death, from slavery, from the Pharaoh chasing you, from hunger in the wilderness, from starving, all these things. They didn't appreciate it. They had to constantly be reminded about the covenant. They had to be punished by law if they disobeyed it. They were not grateful. So I think the whole history of Israel, in a way, shows you how even being the chosen people, having these prophecies, these traditions, these leaders, elders, judges, kings, everyone involved in trying to guide these people toward the truth, it just doesn't manifest holiness and appreciation and the fruits of the Spirit unless the Spirit actually is imparted to them and they are born again. And that's why in Christianity, that's why the Christianity has lasted through all these generations and in some ways come out stronger than before, in some ways been misled um, and subject to deception ourselves. You can think of all the Christians who have false beliefs, even though they are saved. You know, it's, it's not that simple. That's really what it comes down to. It's, it's not that simple that, well, Jesus will be on earth, and we'll be there, and if we're these reigning judges over the earth, of course they'll see us as the good guys. Of course they'll appreciate that we did a miracle for them, or Jesus did a miracle for them, or we taught them from God's instructions on how to live. We, it would be interesting to know if there was still such a thing as conversion and being born again and receiving the Holy Spirit in the millennial kingdom. We actually don't have that promise written down here. Um, I would have to look again to see if there's any hints along that line. But what we have is the possibility of us being resurrected 
the 144,000 being there. And it might be that during the thousand years, we help the nations, we help the people on the earth, but there's not a gospel, right? There's not, it's not the gospel and evangelizing like it is today and people being born again in the spirit. Now, don't don't hold me to that because I'm just thinking off the top of my head here if, if the rules change in that way. But even so, that could be a minority uh, that actually does get converted because, again, even in that case, even if the rules don't change, we know from Scripture that most people will choose the path that leads to destruction, that God has to specially draw those to Jesus. The Father has to, as we saw in our studies, has to drag people to Jesus in order to uh, save them. So it's not by your own will, it's not by witnessing miracles, it's not by rational decisions that people come to Jesus. Even if they come to him for physical water and healing and miracles like they like the prophecy suggests, people will go to Zion to hear these instructions. Even if the rules don't change on being born again and getting the Holy Spirit, that would just mean they're living in the current paradigm, which is that not a lot of people actually will make it. And at the end of the day, it's prophecy. Um, it says that this is going to happen. Therefore, God the Father will ensure that it does happen that way. It's not an unfortunate accident. It's not a tragedy it is prophecy. God wants it to happen that way. The devil will come back out of his hiding place. God doesn't have to give him that opportunity. God doesn't have to. There's no rule and there's no, you know, let's play fair. Uh, you know, now Satan gets to have a turn again. That, that does not have to happen by logic or by some greater power that is restraining God to say, God, you have to let Satan come out and deceive the nations. No, God is going to let that happen. That's why the prophet, he created that prophecy. So it's not going to be an accident. It's not going to be um, a tragedy in that sense. I mean, you can say it's, everything's a tragedy that, that doesn't result in people being saved, but obviously there is a reason why God wants that to happen. These people will, the people will be resurrected. Satan will be released. Whatever the people who were living on earth before that time will think, we, we can't know that now. But to have billions of people be re resurrected at the same time as Satan... And for Satan to have sway over the vast majority, think of all the people who could come back to life, and if they come back to life angry because maybe they even know that their time is short, maybe they know 
that they've they've only been resurrected and then the judgment day is going to be coming soon and they are not going to have the opportunity to all go to Jesus and learn from him and you know basically they wake up to die and satan is there to tell them that and to tell them god is is just going to you know give you suffering from now on you're you've been resurrected this is hell this is um you know earth is hell you know that could be a deception that satan gives them because we know that he will deceive them so we just have to imagine what that deception would be they could say hey uh you died the last thing you remember consciously is that <clears throat> you were driving your car and uh your brakes didn't work and so you crashed into a tree and here you are you got resurrected um this this is hell and that's the devil and then you know say that Christ is is the devil and say if you can beat him if we all go and, and we can rise up against Jesus we can take over this world we can take over hell and liberate ourselves or they might it might be this is the matrix you know you hey remember the matrix we convinced you people that we lived in a simulation now you're in the next level of the simulation and and in this level you have to go and kill the bad guy you have to kill the boss you know there's there's all sorts of things that you could say to a bunch of people who are in such a disoriented state of mind and pagans from thousands of years ago being resurrected at the same time as as Americans today as the same time as Europeans 500 years ago whatever it's going to look like however it's distributed across the planet um they're going to end up being on this broad plane just sort of marching in apparently and i imagine they're going to take a lot of the people on earth with them cuz we can't underestimate satan's deceiving power and it doesn't look like, according to prophecy, we are supposed to fight them off or persuade them, uh, which means we, at the th- end of the thousand years, I, I, it looks like, according to the scripture that we read, that we're just there witnessing what God is going to do. So it says we will reign with him for a thousand years, Technically, if you think about it, that means that the reign that we have ends at the thousand years. We stop reigning after the thousand years. So we lose the authority that we had, if you take it that way. It might mean that just by nature, God is going to wrap stuff up at that point, and we won't have the opportunity to reign for longer. But assuming that the thousand years end, these people are resurrected... And then there's a couple of years of, of Satan reigning. Technically, according to this, our reign in the millennial kingdom actually ends at the same time as Satan is released. He, I guess, gets to reign at that point. And 
So we, we lose some status. So there's just so many things to be considered. It's one of my favorite things to just think over. So I'm glad that you asked. I hope that just um, playing out the scenario and trying to think of the different factors is as interesting to you guys as it is to me. So I want to thank you for listening today. I want to encourage you to go to the Discord channel, find my Linktree, Linktree slash Wolfpox, sign up on the Discord, ask me questions. It's fun. It's, it's edifying. It gets us going into interesting discussions like this. Feel free to tell me if I missed miss something there. And I, I hope to see you again next week with God is Mowing.